Hello and welcome to another TV Central podcast. I'm Aaron Ryan. This is podcast number 49 and it's great to have your company whenever you may be listening to this. As of late, we have had some specific program podcasts, so I thought it would be nice to have a general television chat. And making her TV Central podcast debut is Jessica Leo, entertainment editor for The Advertiser in Adelaide. Jester, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Aaron. Excellent. Well, look, there's plenty to talk about from the commercial offerings, but actually one of the, the biggest and most anticipated Australian dramas comes from the ABC with a slap. Now we're three episodes in. Um, how are you enjoying it? I'm absolutely loving it. Um, my, my only sort of sadness surrounding that is that it's uh, only an eight-episode run. So um, I'm a couple more episodes in on the preview discs and, and I can tell you know um, listeners to the podcast that it's definitely um, worth sticking with whether you have read the book or not. But it's a real true adaptation to the book and just Australian drama. Like We, we haven't seen it for some time, I think. Well, obvious question um, with the tagline for the show is uh, who, whose side are you on? It is interesting. I'm actually reading the book as I'm watching the series. Um, so it's, you know, there is a bit more background in the book. Um, and, you know, I, I'm not a mother myself, um, and, and I, but I do believe people should discipline their own children how they, uh, how they see fit. Um, and obviously, you know, for those people who have seen the, uh, the first episode, the, the slap is a man slapping someone else's child. Um, and um, that's, that's the real contentious issue for me is that, you know, you, you can't inflict that sort of thing on, on someone else's child. But it's a, obviously, you know, a really compelling story because you can see both sides of that, the argument and, and the way it's being put across. Well, also, well, what do you think about the slot it was given on Thursday nights? Now, originally it was going to get the Sunday slot, but they backed away from that because of underbelly. Was Thursday night right or did they miss a big opportunity on Sunday nights? they missed a bit of an opportunity. Underbelly has been doing quite well and I'll tell you what actually personally before the slap came along Underbelly was the the one series I sort of tend to zone in on one that I really lap up for work and personal purposes and and that was Underbelly and that's been well and truly replaced for me by the slap. I mean I I guess it would have been hard to draw people in on debut but I think if perhaps even ABC had the luxury of doing both time slots actually running it on the Sunday and maybe running a sort of encore perhaps not so prime time on a Thursday, they would have done well and, and really lured audience away from, from Underbelly because, yeah, I am scared that it is slipping through the cracks a bit for some people. I mean, it's been getting respectable audiences for the ABC, but it, it definitely deserves a bit more. Well, another Australian drama that's uh, not quite enjoying the critical or audience acclaim, but I, I guess it's holding its own, is Wild Boys on Seven. Uh, what's your take on the series? Look, for me, it's it's one of those ones where they've done something different, um, and they've they've taken a bit of a risk. So far, it's it's paying off modestly. It's not a huge hit. It's not you know hitting out of the ballpark like Rafters does, or even Winners and Losers did. And I mean, on that point, I remember seeing the first episode of Winners and Losers and not being convinced, and then it did really quite well. Um, and you know, Wild Boys as well, I think, did better than I expected on seeing the the first episode. People seem to have embraced the theme. Um, but, you know, whether it has that longevity, whether people have kind of just tuned in to see it. Um, obviously, Daniel McPherson as a leading man, I think, is a, a real draw card for a lot of people. Um, but, yeah, it just it needs to really tighten up its, uh, its script writing and that the storylines there just need to keep holding the interest. Um, so I am a bit, a bit worried. It's on a, a bit of shaky ground, but, um, but still doing, doing well for Seven. I'm sure they'd be happy enough with it.
You actually make a, a good point there about winners and losers. I was in exactly the same situation, not quite convinced about the series, mm. but, but it did get better as it went along. Um, do, do you think it missed a big opportunity, this is uh, Wild Boys, by, by screening it at 7.30pm? It was promoted as being really slick and sexy and violent mm. and very adult in nature, and then it was given a PG family-friendly slot. I mean, did you did you find that weird at all? I did. I think, you know, they should have marketed it as a family thing from the beginning because kids really love that sort of stuff and, you know, the, almost like the Western type thing. And I think they would have done themselves more favours to have always marketed it that way because, yeah, it definitely fell short of the way it was being framed in the beginning. And, it, you know, every time I'm, you know, compiling our guide and popping Wild Boys in there, I'm always doing a double take going, oh, it's on at 7.30, that's right. You know, I do find it odd that that sort of grates a bit with me but um but yeah I, I think it, it is you know somewhat kid-friendly viewing the, the episodes I have seen and you know there's a bit of violence and all of that but you know it's it seems like a bit of fun and, and definitely not in the realms of your your underbelly where it just wouldn't be appropriate for kids so yeah I think it, they were a bit unsure of their vision there and um and needed to to sort that out and maybe it has suffered a bit as a result of that. Well, um, Australian drama to Australian reality, um, let's go to the X Factor. Are you enjoying this season? I am. Look, I, with things like X Factor, and it was always the way for me with Idol, I sort of, at the beginning when there's quite a few contestants, you know, it's neither here nor there, but as it sort of tightens down, I'm actually really loving Mel B. She's one of the reasons I'm tuning in. She's pretty irreverent, says what she what she wants and doesn't care what anyone thinks, and I think she's a real asset to the program. Um, in terms of actual contestants, I mean, I can't sing a note. No dis, you know, disrespect for them, but I've, I've felt like the quality of the singing on it is probably a bit down compared to last year, but there are some standouts. I mean, we've got um, the young lad, Reese. He's from South Australia, um, and, you know, we, we own him, and uh, he, uh, he's been doing fabulously, and I think he'll, he'll go the distance, and a um, young girl called Christina as well, she seems to be doing quite well. But, yeah, it, it, as far as the singing, I'm, I'm just glad Mel B's there. She's, she's keeping me hooked and entertained. Well, I think it picked up something there. In, in, in my uh, opinion, when Australia's Got Talent was on, they had six acts that could have easily have won. They're all very strong, and even, even the runner-ups were, were, were still very good. But while I'm enjoying this series of The X Factor, for sure, it does feel like a two-horse race um, with maybe a, a dark horse, uh, maybe with Andrew, which is a little disappointing. Do, do you see it like that, or, or do you see it as a more of an even field? No, I definitely, I agree with you there completely, Aaron. I mean, last year's series, I mean, Altian was like the dark horse. He kind of came out and I've got to say, despite all his, you know, personal problems of late and, you know, all sorts of label dramas at the time, I was really, really going for him because you kind of watch his evolution over the series and he eclipsed some of the, the favourites whose names now escape me, you know, he's <laughs> the only one you uh, you sort of remember. But mm. um, yeah, this this year it does, it feels like that. You so, I sort of flick on and make sure I do. Yeah, see Reese, Christina, Andrew, and even that Declan, he's sort of offering up something a bit different there. So yeah, it's um, it'll be interesting to see how it pans out. And um, it, it has, you know, in terms of eliminations, followed the trajectory that, that's to be expected. Actually, there's Young Man Society as well, that group. They're quite fun as well. I don't mind them, but whether they're going to go on and win it, um, probably not. So they, yeah. they, were, they were eliminated last week. Oh, that's right. They were. Yeah. See, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> My bad. Um, so, you know, that, that's and that's the thing. They came out as an early favourite. Guy thought that, you know, they would go the distance and was saying to people, you know, you need to vote for them and thought the issue was that people weren't voting. But, you know, obviously they're just not good enough. So, 
Well, um, one reality show to another, Beauty and the Geek, um, the traditional makeover special um, aired this week and the second part next week. Are you, are you enjoying the series and, and what do you think of the additional male beauty and female geek? I think it's a great twist. It needed a little bit of a makeover. I mean, it's always a competent enough series, but it's not one of those big marquee reality series. Um, and, you know, not that that's really brought it into the, the realm of some other reality series, but it is a nice little twist and just an extra dynamic. And you now, obviously, makeover on, on any show, you know, on your top model, on the, you know, back when they used to do um, sort of extreme makeover shows and stuff like that, they're always going to, you know, draw in a lot of interest. Um, so really, the challenge will be on the other side of the, the makeover keeping the interest. Mm. Um, it seems to be a strong series, but they're, they're not really tipping the million mark on Thursday nights, obviously except for the, the makeover episode that, mm. that aired uh, this week. Is it just the, uh, just the night that it's on being Thursday, or is the series lacking something this season? Well, I think, yeah, Thursday's really tough, um, you know, and, and as you sort of see with the slap there, I mean, that's trying to, to get to the million mark, basically, on most of its outings, and I think it is the, the night that it's on. I think if it was on earlier in the week, um, then it might have a bit more of a fighting chance. You know, we saw that with the Amazing Race Australia. I mean, that was earlier in the week, and, and it did great numbers, so I, I, it, it really is, you know what Seven want to invest in it in terms of the programming, but they've you know put it on Thursdays now, so we'll have to write out the series and uh, see what happens. Um, another show with Seven, uh, when we're talking about Australian drama, I forgot to mention Pack to the Rafters. It's still very strong for an Australian drama, 1.5 million a week at least, mm. but certainly down on the, the 2 million last year. Is, is it the storylines, the exit of the female leads earlier in the season, a, a combination of that, both something else? What, what do you think? Yeah. I think my my first first reaction would be that it's the storylines. I mean, it's very hard that in the it's you know a show that doesn't centre around a particular event. It's you know it's an everyday life. It's situational drama. So, you know, to keep that going without the storylines getting too ridiculous, you know, and we see it. You know, we've seen it over the years with Home and Away and Neighbours with your, your classic soapies. Sometimes they've got a spike with a storyline that may or may not resonate. Um, and I think that's the, the problem. They probably just need to sort of knuckle down and, and not try and, you know, go too far out of the box. And hopefully it'll come back on a bit more of an even keel. But definitely when, when anyone leaves the series, it, it has an impact. And um, it'll just be interesting to see how it goes along. You know, eventually other cast members will want to develop their careers outside rafters, particularly younger cast members. Um, so, you know, I, I wouldn't like to see it drop anymore. You know, it's obviously a very loved drama and um, and hopefully it can just hold strong for now. Um, I'm not sure if you're getting any um, sort of mail like I am at the moment. Quite a few angry fans, obviously, uh, with Seven's decision to class next week's episode as the season fin season finale when it's actually not. They did mm. show seven, seven or eight episodes, I think, earlier this year. Then they've come back showing seven or eight and they've actually left the last seven or eight for next year, um, mm. do you think that was a, a wise move by Seven? They've really chopped and uh, changed this season. Yeah, look, they've been pretty cruel to Rafters fans, to be honest. And and I know that you know earlier in the year when they broke Rafters to put on winners and losers, that was a huge gamble. And luckily for Seven, it paid off. And and maybe that's made them a bit complacent that they feel like they can do that again now. But you know you can't jerk fans of a show around too much because they will eventually move on and and find something else. So I'll be really interested to see if it does come back as strong as a result of that. Um, you know, it's just lucky it's coming from such a strong base that they might get away with it. But um, we're definitely getting that sort of feedback as well that, that people are unhappy with that you know people want to see a series play out or play out at least to a, a cliffhanger and, and some conclusions and then uh, return again in due course 
Well, um, last question about the Seven Network. They've kept their their fast tracking really to a minimum. The Amazing Race obviously needs to be fast tracked, and, and it did also make some sense to continue from season one to season two of Body of Proof. The only other shows that they're fast tracking are Parenthood and, and perhaps the new season of How I Met Your Mother's coming up. Nine and ten are fast tracking everything pretty much. Now there are major positives and negatives to fast tracking uh, American shows. What what's your take on the issue? Look, I think it's a it's it's a tough one because you do in this age of you know illegal downloading and this age particularly with reality TV of internet spoilers you know you can jump on Wikipedia and and find out the results of a lot of stuff and social media as well people you know all over the world are talking about different shows so it really does make sense to to fast track but there is a, there are drawbacks I mean Channel Nine have learned the hard way with Charlie's Angels they've fast tracked that straight across and now it's been cancelled in the US so you know they've they've got a situation where they've Move their schedule around, albeit they had bumped Charlie's Angels to uh, to go. But you know they uh, they need to just be conscious of maybe letting an audience sort of test out um, things in the US first. Um, so I think you know there's a, there's a real case for reality TV to fast track it, but I, I really don't see the the sense with with drama. I mean Seven with Downton Abbey, they uh, they held off fast tracking that, and obviously that was a huge success. And you know people are eagerly awaiting series two. They can. Um, you know, illegally downloaded, of course, but you know, a lot of people are, are willing to just wait, watch it, you know, on their screens at an allotted time when the network's ready to bring it. So, yeah, I think it really depends on the, jo- the genre of the show. Well, let's move to Nine now. And now, I'm not sure whether you saw the article. TV Tonight wrote an article recently about the network's sort of inability to communicate well with the media in terms of its its programming schedules and amendments. Um, Nine are not sending out any amendments to, to the to well, pretty much most of the media. Has that had any effect on on yourself and your work and the advertiser? And what's your take on the issue? Oh, certainly. I mean, with any channel, as, as soon as you know something doesn't align with the TV networks and what we print in our our weekly entertainment section hit, you know, uh, and where and our TV listings within that, you know, instead of calling the network we're being called um, and it's really tough because you know we can only you know keep up with what they're telling us and a lot of last minute changes are being made and things are being um, shuffled around and so um, I am seeing that you know across the board but nine have been have been doing it more so and um, and it does it makes life really tough I mean sure a lot of people have electronic program guides these days but you know you want to get out your TV guide and circle your programs and and do all of that and it's really hard when you flick on and and what you expect to be there isn't there so I can understand and you know the frustrations our, our readers and, and TV viewers out there are uh, experiencing. Let's talk about Nine's major success this year. Obviously, the block. Um, did Did you watch and did you enjoy? I was hooked. I'll tell you what, from the beginning, um, I was sort of neither here nor there. Obviously, I tuned in for work purposes and went, oh, yeah, okay. And then somewhere along the way, it would always be on when I'd be home cooking and it would just draw me in. You know, even the challenges, which, you know, aren't really uh, about advancing the, the, the main narrative, which are the, were the houses they were renovating, even those sort of drew me in. I just think, you know, um, Scott Cam, Shelley Craft, they did a great job. They were sort of a good mix. And they had a, a good bunch of people. They, they weren't particularly unlikable. Um, for couples um, you know we actually had a bit of a division in my house our housemate really loved Polly and was and, and my partner and I were going for, for Josh and Jenna you know and, and everyone mm. sort of went behind someone and you know they so the beauty of it was once they got rid of all the extra couples and you just settled on that four it really came into its own and, and it's just such a shame it, it ended the way it did with the, the failed auctions so um, well, next year it looks like obviously we stripped again probably earlier in the year in February. Do you think it will gain the, the same high audiences again? 
Look, I, it'll be interesting to see if it's hurt by the, the result. You know, people, obviously, you know, the, the houses failing to sell for what was anticipated is, a, you know, a reflection of the property market. And, you know, unfortunately, I don't see that really riding itself between now and early next year. So, you know, it, it is hard because it makes the whole exercise seem a bit futile in a way, what they're doing. And, you know, they're not going to possibly get those, those big numbers. So I think, you know, Nine are going to need to really get behind it, get some really good, good people um, on the show. And, you know, and get some some decent properties. I'm I'm hopeful that it will do well, but it will be interesting to see how it goes earlier in the year because you know, as we know, when it's nicer weather, people are out and about. Whereas when it did screen, you know, it was right in the heart of cold weather, at least here in Adelaide, and and everyone was home early and and able to watch it. So, um, I'm a little sceptical, but um, but hopeful for them. Yeah. Well, um, over to the to the Big Bang Theory now. Now that's got cause a bit of division. Some say it's a great show and should always enjoy the numbers it gets. Others say it's just pathetic the way nine schedules are. I mean, up to 17 episodes are screened a week across Go at Nine. What are your thoughts on this, on the scheduling of Big Bang? Well, and it's like it's the new Two and a Half Men. You know, this is what they used to do with Two and a Half Men in Charlie Sheen's heyday. You felt like you'd switch on Nine or any of the digital channels and, you know, it's all you could see. And, and for a while there as well, Seven were, were doing quite similar with How I Met Your Mother, or at least it felt that way to me. So, you know, with, with a good sitcom, it is important to, to pump it out there and, you know, let you know fans watch it. But, yeah, I think there is such a thing, you know, as too much of a good thing. And they've got to really be careful because they've got to hit on their hands with Big Bang Theory. It's, you know, enjoying success. Talking anecdotally to people, there are people coming out of the woodwork now only just switching on to it going, oh, have you watched that Big Bang Theory? It's a really good show. And mm. and obviously it has been around for a while, but it was almost like, you know, two and a half men's kind of poor cousin. Um, and now it's been able to really sort of step up. Um, so, yeah, I think they've got to be careful with, with overscheduling it, definitely. Well, um, talking about two and a half men too, the, the big numbers of that first Ashton Kutchen mm-hmm. uh, episode, I mean... That happened in America way. It's fallen away. It's still sitting on around a million, although I think last uh, week's, this week's episode was about 800 and something thousand. What, what do you think of Two and a Half Men 2.0? Well, look, I think a big part of the spike, not to take anything away from Ashton, was, yes, to see how he goes, but also, you know, how do they farewell Charlie? There are obviously some spoilers online um, ahead of the episode airing, but just to, for people to have that closure, I mean, Charlie Sheen, for, for all his faults, you know, um, was a very loved character on that. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see how they keep advancing the narrative. I mean, the same thing's happening in America. Um, you know, people, it, it had that massive spike. It's still getting strong audiences, but there has been a bit of a gradual drop-off. I think it will be okay, um, but you know, I, I don't think it will be sort of restored to its former glory. And, and as I sort of said before, it's almost like Big Bang Theory has has eclipsed it in a way. Mm. Hey, look, another show is it's well, I mean, I've enjoyed, but I guess it's been disappointing in the ratings. The joy of sets um, mm. ha- hasn't been a ratings performer, and, and to be honest, I think we're lucky that the nine is screen five of the uh, eight mm. episodes. I mean, I love Tony Martin, Ed Cavalier, and it's, it's a shame it's not working. What are your thoughts on the show? Yeah, and when I first tuned in, I tuned in the first episode and I was pleasantly surprised, to be honest. You know, there have been shows that have been tried to be done before that, you know, commented on TV and that sort of thing. I mean, there was the short-lived, the, the white room that, you know, didn't take off. And, you know, I was thinking we were going to have a repeat of that on our hands. But on watching it, you know, the first episode, the, the nerves were apparent. But over time that has, you know, calmed down and it's, you know, just as good a show as, you know, your sort of Hamish and Andy's gap here and that sort of thing in terms of that, you know, a couple of laughs here and there and, you know, a couple of, you know, maybe slightly more dull spots. But, you mm-hmm. know, it's entertaining enough. Um, 
but yeah, whether it's entertaining enough to to stick around and be renewed, well, that's the the, the question. But it is it is pleasing to see Nine um, persevere with it because they obviously you know have a history of, of slashing things quite quickly. Mm. Well, finally, for Nine, it'd be hard not to mention Celebrity Apprentice, which is coming up. I mean, are you looking forward to it? And, and what do you think of the show being sort of stripped five nights a week? Yeah, look, it's it's a good idea. I think the stripped. I mean, I think Nine needs something to anchor them down in the the week sort of the weeknights, like the block did. Um, but whether it's going to get the the audience, I don't know. I'm excited to see. I was always a fan of the original Apprentice, you know, the Donald Trump version. Then when he moved to celebrity versions, it was kind of here nor there for me. So, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see. A lot they've done well to curate the personalities they have, but they've just got to be careful that these personalities don't grate. I mean, I think Pauline Hanson, Warwick Capper, they're going to make great TV, but whether <laughs> they're going to want to make you tune in every night of the week, well, that kind of remains to be seen. So I, I do have the the disc of the first episode in uh, in my hot little hand. I just haven't had a chance to watch it yet. That's that will be my weekend viewing. So I'm looking forward to seeing what it has to offer. All right. Well, let's go to um, Network Ten now. Well, I guess they're a mixed bag. They're picking they're picking up a little bit since the end of the Renovators with success with the fast tracking of some of their shows and the, and the dumping of the late news that that's given them some valuable late night shares. Um, where do we start? I guess uh, the Renovators is wrapped. I, I guess the question is what went wrong. Yeah. Look, it. I, I've been saying for for some time that you know even though the block was successful, that wasn't necessarily successful because people tuned in to you know to learn how to renovate. You know, I think it was the right mix of of personalities and that kind of dynamic between the contestants that had people coming back. And you know, for for me, the way I've I've sort of anecdotally explained it is that everybody cooks. You know, they have to cook or they have to eat at the very least. That's why MasterChef was great. Now everybody might have a home, but quite a few people aren't interested in, in renovating it or, you know, learning how to better their home or that sort of thing. And, and you know, that's what a lot of reality TV is. It's what we take from it. And I think, you know, renovators just sort of fail to have something to offer in that vein. Um, and also, you know, it just seemed to go on and on and on. And they started with a very large contestant base. I think it was confusing for viewers. Um, and obviously coming off the back of the block was, was not good for it. I think they were expecting once the block wrapped for their... Um, their figures to spike, but you know they barely reached the million mark throughout series. I think they only managed it uh, three or four times, including the finale. So it's uh, it's a real disappointment, and it's interesting to note that Ten are still standing by it for next year. Well, I was just going to say, well, let's have a little bit of a side bet. Ten says it will be back next year. Do you think it actually will be back next year? Well, I guess they don't want to have egg on their faces. It was their big marquee reality offering. You know, it was going to be the next MasterChef. And I think that was their first failing, you know, calling it the, the MasterChef of, you know, renovations um, and uh, and that sort of thing. If it does come back, it's going to have to take some tweaks to the format. And that's what they've been saying they offer. To be honest, Aaron, I don't know what they can do with it, whether they, you know, um, tighten up the contestant base, you know, less contestants. And, and possibly, you know, I'm not saying they were unlikable, but there was a real weird dynamic going on in the beginning with the contestants and, you know, a lot of infighting that you would think would make for good TV, but it just made you want to switch off. Um, with Channel 10 at the moment, uh, it's just been a big major decision that's been made uh, basically within the 24 hours of this podcast in the last 24 hours has been the dumping of George Negus. Um <laughs> And the 7pm project will be named The Project and will air for one hour at 6.30. What do you think about all this? Look, it's 
It's, you know, it's great to see the, the, the project as it now is do that. I mean, it's such a success story for the network. I recall when 7pm project first debuted, it was struggling with numbers. There was calls to exit, you know, and everybody thought that it would be done and dusted in a matter of weeks or months. And uh, as we've seen over, you know, the years, I think it's years it's been on now, it's gone from strength to strength and, um, and you know, cracked a million here and there. And, um, and it just continues to be a strong performer. And I just think it definitely suits um, that time of the night better for people who might have tuned into the early news. They don't need the, the Negus analysis and, and that's no disrespect to the, the man himself. He's obviously a very talented broadcaster and journalist and it's good to see he is staying on with the network and will still have a, a presence. But um, but yeah, just towards the end of, of Negus, I was you know seeing some of the stories that they were covering and it just seemed to have lost its way a little bit um, and, and perhaps it would have been better as a, a weekly show, you know, and digging into the, the issues of the week rather than, you know, trying really hard to, to get content up every day. But, hey, that's uh, ancient history. It's now moved on and, and I think the, the project will uh, will do really well. Often watching that sometimes things feel a bit rushed, so it will be good for them to have the uh, the extra time and, and I hope they, they grab it with both hands. Let's talk about a couple of um, American shows with uh, Channel 10. Uh, first of all, Glee, I guess it's one of the mu most mucked around programs that can still attract an okay audience. 10 knew that when, when they fast-tracked it, they would only get three episodes out because of a schedule break in, a, in America for baseball. Now, the show is back in a 7.30 slot uh, next week, Next week, um, sorry, from November the 2nd, Wednesday, November the 2nd at 7.30. I guess the question is, why do you think 10 fast-tracked it at, at 8.30 for three weeks and rather than wait until the baseball was over and then just started at 7.30 and run it, run it un, un, uninterrupted? Look, it's an interesting sort of proposition that they find themselves, or interesting position they find themselves in. You know, they need to recover from a very lacklustre ratings here. You know, renovators brought them down, so they're wanting to rush content to screens that they know are going to get eyeballs on the screen. And um, and you know, fans of Glee, like the fans of Rafters, are used to being mucked around now. And you know. With Glee, they, it's a very loyal audience, and I think Ten are a bit content and a bit complacent in the knowledge that if they pop it on, you know, the audience will come, and then the audience will patiently wait. Um, you know, for someone who's not a big fan, um, it is hard to to stay tuned in. It's a show that I I love to watch when I can, but you know, if, I feel like I never really know when it's on. Um, so you know, but they will they will probably do good numbers, and you know, fans will keep coming back. So they're lucky in that respect. Um. Uh... On uh, Sunday nights, um, after uh, Terra Nova, there's a show called the Ring, uh, the Ringer. Sorry, um, I thought it was just okay, but it, its scheduling was was a bit eye eyebrow raising for me. I mean, it would attract a good 14 to 25 crowd, but at 9:30 Sunday, that, that's really asking a lot. I would think it seems more suited to 11, 8:30. Did you did you watch the first episode and? Well, I tuned in a little bit. For me, the big thing is, you know, it feels like this show's come along and out of nowhere. There was, you know, very little pre-promotion. It's got Sarah Michelle Gellar in it, who obviously, you know, is still a big name to this day for, for Buffy and has a huge fan base. And I just think, you know, Ten's, you know, treatment of that and the way they've marketed it is what's hurt it. It's quite a good show from, from what I saw and, you know, and it could be quite competent, but... Yeah, they just need to, to put it out there more and I feel like maybe they've missed their opportunity and, and I've had a couple of people say to me, well, well this, this Ringer show, you know, like it's come out of, of nowhere and people don't really understand the premise and, and the players in it. So, yeah, I, I'd like to see it uh, see it marketed a bit better and hopefully it can, it can gain from there. All right, and last one for Tin um, House. Now, it's, it's being fast-tracked to the death sentence on Friday nights mm. on Tin. 
you have to ask, I mean, what happened to this show? Seriously, the Americans still love it. Um, we have seemed to have banned it ages ago. What, why do you think that is? I have a strong belief, and I know personally, they abandoned it when, you know, they tried to sort of bring in a new batch of diagnostic interns and put sort of Chase and, and the others to the side. Um, and, you know, long, you know his, there's a long history in TV land that, you know, when you try and replace principal cast, it can really have a, a very, you know, catastrophic effect. And I think in a way that just kind of confused people because then they brought them back in a bit more. They were never really out of the frame, you know, your, your Jesse Spencers and, and Jennifer Morrison. But, you know, they, they sort of were a side narrative and then came back, but then some of the new interns had been retained. And, you know, and also House is, as a character has been getting darker and darker and darker. And what had always been quite appealing about him is, you know, his wit and he was a bit cheeky, but he was also a bit grumpy. But he's actually turning into a, a pretty unlikable person and I think it's hard to, to keep tuning in and seeing that. Yeah, uh, well, so anyway, Friday nights at 8.30 for, for that one, for anyone that's still tuning in uh, mm. to that show. Um, before you go, let, let's just talk about you for a moment. You're uh, obviously the entertainment editor at The Advertiser. What, what is your day-to-day -day -day job at, at The Advertiser? Mm -hmm. Well, basically, I, um, I oversee the lift out, our Thursday Lift Out Hit, which is a combination of um, TV, arts, movies and music. Um, so that's a, a weekly sort of cycle. Daily I'm, you know, chasing entertainment news stories, keeping an eye on ratings and um, and also, you know, having to review TV content for our Hit Lift Out. Um, and then there's also, I oversee the gossip section here, our Adelaide Confidential section and, um, and have a, a team of arts reporters under me as well. So there's always something happening and always something going on every day, which keeps that's nice and busy. Well, the advertiser is a great read. I mean, I not not in Adelaide, so I read a lot of it online. But uh, what what shows or, or stories have you been following lately? Well, look, we've had big news here um, this week. Uh, we've had our weekend um, news presenter on Nine and one of our weeknight anchors um, dropped by Nine here who are actually owned by Wynn Corporation. And that's been really big news um, here in Adelaide this week. And that's what we're following. We're looking at getting to the bottom of it. It seems to be a casualty of uh, network um, restructures and, and costings and, and coming from the actual Nine network over in the eastern states. So that's been a, a real big thing here. I'm also uh, keeping a real eye on the summer TV period because you know seven have been so dominant in the TV ratings this year that it's you know got to a point where it's almost a bit boring when someone always wins. Um, so you know the networks seem to be looking to summer to try and uh, see if they can make that a bit of a battleground. And summer TV over the years, particularly with the advent of multi-channels, has become less of the the rubbish that they used to just put on there and, and a bit more quality and a bit more diversity. Yeah, that summer TV will be something interesting this year because all of the last year we we didn't have all of the channels here, but um, eleven will be this will be their first summer, um, and one without it being a you know predominantly sport channel, so it will be interesting. Um, look, I know you'll have to follow some shows, you know, being in the position you're in, but what are your personal faves in terms of shows on the box? Definitely. Well, the slap, as we spoke about earlier, is the, the big one. And I'd been tuning in um, to Underbelly Razor. I'd really been enjoying that quite a bit. Um, in terms of um, sort of things on pay TV, you know, True Blood, Nurse Jackie, those sort of shows are, are great, you know, when I can catch up with them. And, yeah, and I've just been sort of keeping my eye out. It's hard to, you know, you don't want to have too many favourites because you've got to watch so much for work anyway. But, um, but definitely be getting into the, the drama. And I can't wait for Offspring to come back on 10 next year. That's a, a real firm favourite of mine. Um, and uh, what's coming up? 
for, for you for the rest of the year. I mean, I know you'll be following the, the X Factor for the rest of the year. A lot of stories will just come up as they come up, but some things you can sort of see for the rest of the year. The X Factor, I suppose, maybe Junior MasterChef. What, what else can we expect this year? Yeah, well, we're getting to the point in the year where it's also interesting to look back a bit retrospectively and, you know, look at what worked and what didn't. Obviously, as the year's gone on, we've, you know, seen what's flopped and, and what's flourished. But, you know, to do those end-of-year ratings analysis and um, and just find out what people are watching and, and what it's kind of saying about our trends in TV viewing is, is really interesting. So that's something we'll be looking at in the, the coming months. And, and obviously, you know, news restructures. I don't think we've seen the end of it. Obviously, here in um, Adelaide, we're having, you know, troubles with Nine News and they're changing things around and 10 seem to be constantly changing. So, um, you know, I, I dare say before the year's out, there'll, there'll be some more developments on that front. And just finally, um, this is obviously a national po podcast and so not everyone's in South Australia, but I mean, for people that are in South Australia, if you if, if you pick up the advertiser each day, what features do you have? I mean, you did talk about the lift out and, and also, I suppose, what can readers expect online? Definitely. Well, you know, we've got lift outs every day in the advertiser. Um, you know, starting at the beginning of the week, we've got a, uh, a new one that was launched a couple of months ago called My Week. Um, and that's really uh, aimed at, you know, excuse more female and um, grocery buyer. And uh, it's quite interesting. It's got recipes and um, different articles and columnists. And that's uh, quite a good read. And then, you know, on Tuesday, we've got, you know, Business Journal. Um, it's a business day for the paper. And then Wednesday, we've got the, the National Taste Lift Out. So that's food. And then, and Thursday is the entertainment lift out that we spoke about hit which also integrates the arts so film music TV and it's got our TV listings and then on Friday it's, a, it's about sport and our Saturday paper has the usual classifieds uh, your career one your cars guide and um, and also uh, the real estate lift out and our essay weekend magazine so there's something in every day and then that's not to mention the, the daily stories that, that we're breaking in the paper and our gossip section so there's something to, to offer um, for, for everyone really and for those people who aren't in the state all they have to do is head to Adelaide Now that's www.adelaidenow.com.au um, to find all of that content and more online lots of you know videos galleries we're really ramping up our offerings in that sense and we've also got uh, an iPad app so there's, uh, there's lots to, to consume here in Adelaide. Well, I might have to look at the uh, iPad app. I've, I'm in one of those people that's had, uh, you know, the, one of those old phones like for the last 10 years and it's finally broken. So I'm actually going shopping today to get the old iPad or iPhone. I'm not really sure yet. So uh, I'll have to get the app for that. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Well, we can get one of those iPhone 4Ss or whatever it is. So, yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, look, um, I look forward to following you with your work on the Avatar. I think we try to um, cover a lot of programs today, so thanks very much for, for joining me at TV Central. Thanks for your time, Aaron. Really appreciate it. appreciate the opportunity. No worries. Uh, Jessica Leo, Entertainment Editor with The Advertiser there. That concludes another TV Central podcast. Next podcast will be a very special 50th edition. Until then, I'm Aaron Ryan for tvcentral.com.au. See you then.